new on Curiosity Stream. With my infrared drone, I can see what others can't. Drone pilot Doug Thrawn uses his bird's eye view for the ultimate good, saving animals from desperate situations around the globe. Join the rescue effort on a new season of Doug to the Rescue. And you captured a Confederate steamboat. We're taking the ship to freedom. An enslaved crew, a stolen vessel, and a Civil War dash to salvation on impossible escapes. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. WEEI.com's Rob Bradford talks all things that interest him. Some of which you might just want to listen to. So sit back and soak in another episode of the soon-to-be award-winning show a whole bunch of people are talking about. The Bradford Show. Here's Rob Bradford. Welcome to another edition of the Bradford Show, sponsored as always by Gould's Distinctive Clothing, the people who make me look so darn good. And Hub New England Insurance, they have more integrity than anyone, except for maybe our next guest, John Tomasi. Boston Herald is joining us all the way from Oakland. Uh, typically, we would just be handing the mic back and forth, but he's in Oakland and I'm not. I will see him in Seattle. And uh, how's Oakland? Uh, it's unseasonably cool. It's actually quite comfortable. It's about 65. Red Sox can't score runs, but other than that, it's very nice. So it's just like October. It's very similar to October. <laughs> back when they had the, the Ted Lilly things on their back. It's, I, I'm hearkening back to the old days of the, the fabled Oakland A's Red Sox rivalry. Remember that? That was that was the Lilly thing on the back. Remember Ted Lilly, L-I-L-L-Y, on the back of their their jackets? I don't actually remember that. Oh, you don't that. remember that? During no, the playoffs. I, all but, I remember from the playoffs is the Derek Lowe crotch chop and Miguel Tejada uh, crying yeah, about true. his children. <laughs> See, it's, it's things like that we really miss. Yeah, Baseball really. has become far too sterile. But what we're going to talk about today, uh, you wrote a great column today uh, about Mookie Betts, why the Red Sox should be calling up Mookie Betts. It was a far better column than my co- column on almost the exact same subject. Uh, but you yourself short. But I, I do want to, since we are of the same mind, I want to use that as a jumping off point into the conversation, which is how can the Red Sox fix themselves? Because as I was writing it, I don't know if you felt the same way, you're writing about how the Red Sox should call up Mookie Betts, and then you start looking at everything that's wrong with them, and you're saying, oh, well, they can fix here, fix here, fix here. And as I tried to point out, 
there's, there's things set in stone on this team, and there's only a few places, I guess mostly in the outfield, that you say that's a fixable thing and that's where they would realistically actually do something. I don't know if you agree because you know, Napoli, Pedroia, Drew, Bogart, Pazinski, to a certain degree, I guess. But is that do you agree with that or absolutely one hundred percent and the and and the way I look at it because I, yeah, I had a very similar thought process to you is okay, we know that the front office they're not about to start dealing off Henry Owens to try to fix this this year's team. That's not going to happen. So you say, what is a realistic way to make a real improvement? And you start looking around, you say, okay, Brock Holt needs to play, you know, because of the way he's been going. But how about center field? You know, Jackie Bradley, gold glove defense is great, but that hasn't really gotten them anywhere. You need offense out of that position. He's hitting like 150 with nobody on base, 206, whatever it is for the season. That's a spot that you can upgrade, and, and there's a simple solution. You extract one rookie, and you put another rookie in. Yes, Mookie Betts is new to, relatively new to center field, you know, unless you count high school. But at this point, you need an offensive spark, and when you look at what he's done over the last year plus, you know, hitting about 350 at three levels of the minors, posting numbers now at Pawtucket that got Brock Holt promoted, you know, just a few weeks ago, right. I, I think he's an obvious simple solution and see what happens. Yeah, and and listen, it might be for a short-term solution. You have obviously Victorino around the corner, but he has the the body that we we know it's it's hit or miss the for the entire season. This I think he would say that. And so you have him coming back and you're right about Bradley. You we're getting to a point now where in late June, okay, you had your chance. And yes, you can play defense, but with this lineup, you cannot carry that sort of bat, right? Uh, no, not at all. And and it's not just, you know, it's one thing, there are guys like when Pedroia struggled early in his career, the numbers weren't there, but the approach was there, and you could see, okay, this guy has something. What has Jackie Bradley shown you offensively to lead you to believe that he's anywhere close to turning a corner. I'm not saying that he can't do it next year or he can't do it after being sent to the minors, but when you look at what he is right now, have there been any signs to lead you to believe, you know what, he's going to figure this thing out? I I haven't seen it. No, and and the thing with Bradley also is that they've reverted to, I don't want to say hide him, but with pitchers who have, uh, I say above average fastball, let's say 93 or better. They're not going to start him. I think they'll they're going to start starting Holt a lot more in that position because he's not close to those pitches. And no, and I no, I'm I'm totally with you. And you look at his numbers on high fastballs up across the zone. I don't know if this has changed, but as of a week or two ago, I think he had one hit mm-hmm. on a fastball like above the letters, one for twenty five or something like that. And that that just tells you right there. And when you make the argument. Even people in the Red Sox organization, geez, you know, this guy, his minor league track record was such that he got on base and, you know, he was a guy who could handle pitching. What, why isn't that carrying over? And, you know, there are people in the organization who will point out that, well, he didn't face the caliber of pitching and the caliber of fastball in the minors that he has in the big leagues. And you hear that and it sort of makes you take a deep gulp. Like, is this just something that he's not... Is this his Achilles heel that he's not going to be able to overcome? Yeah, you look at Ryan Cook the other night. Ryan Cook comes in and and, and every single pitch, exactly what you're talking about. Letter high, fastball, boom, 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 boom. But let's let's talk about bets for a little bit because I don't think either one of us are saying that this is the be-all, end-all, this is going to solve all their problems. 
But in my mind, what it does is, number one, it probably gives you a guy with a better batting average, number one. And, and, yeah. and then also, he adds a dimension which is, I think, under the radar they've been missing this year, which is a little bit of speed. They are not able to execute the playing the way that John Farrell liked to play last year, putting pressure on the defense. They can't do that because they have absolutely no speed, and this guy at least has a little bit. Yeah, 46 or 53, I think, over the last year on stolen bases. Now, his steal numbers, I think, have dropped as he's gone up levels, you know, so it, maybe it won't translate quite like it has in the minors. But, yeah, somebody who can who can put a little pressure on the defense and maybe mix things up a little bit, they're very station-to-station right now, and that's a hard place to be when you're not stringing oh. hits together. Yeah, I mean, if you everyone's searching for the magical reason why they can't get runners in scoring position, well, it doesn't help when you're going station to station. We saw it with Detroit last year in the playoffs. That was the most station to station team in the history of baseball, and and now we're looking at it with the Red Sox, and it's not that bad, but still, it makes things so much more difficult. Yeah, I'm just waiting for them to break out the Prince Fielder belly flop at third. Uh, it's just as a sign of total surrender. I, I think I know who you would have as a candidate for that, right? <laughs> right? Uh, no, no, nobody's coming to mind. Help me out. Well, that leads us. Okay, so so we talk about the bet situation. We talk about center field. That's a part of the the equation which you could you could fix. And we've we've said it before: first base, second base, shortstop, third base. Done. That's done. You're not fixing those. You're not switching those around with maybe the exception of integrating Middlebrooks when he comes back maybe a little bit if Bogarts keeps struggling. But And Gome serves a purpose against lefty hit, lefty pitchers. Nava's coming on. Nava's actually become a positive. Victorino's coming back. Uh, I'm missing, oh, of course, Brock Holt, the guy who invented baseball. He's he's there and, and, and doing and being Brock Holt. And, and then the catching situation. I, I think that we've reached a point, and I know this is this is something that you've already written about, and, and maybe because you've already written about it, you don't want to talk about it, so just give me the high sign if you want me to go on this rant. But well, we can we can we can trade off. Well, well no. I, I, what I would say is that this is we've reached late June, and so it's not about experiments. It's not about what well, maybe this could work. Either it's working or it's not working, and. The thing is with A.J. Brzezinski is that you're carrying him because of his bat, and you're, the potential of his bat in this lineup. The problem is is that his OPS, I think, is around 660. And so that I guess that's a testament to how bad this lineup is because you're carrying a guy on this team. You're saying that's our catcher, and he's here not because he's a good catcher, but because his bat, and he has a 660 OPS. Yeah, I guess I have two responses to this. You know, the first would be, what is your upgrade? Where do you upgrade? Because right now, unfortunately, you know, the backup catcher is probably as big a problem as H.A. is offensively. David Ross Homer today. I don't know when this is going to run, but I'm in Oakland here with uh, Ross has just homered a couple innings ago. So that's, you know, his first big hit in a while. But he's giving you nothing. A.J., and then the other thing is, of all the problems they have, I, I can't at the moment put A.J. as high on the list as I would have no, a month ago. No, you know? but, no, you're right. You're right. And that's why he, That's why I don't think it's a conversation started right now unless they get the right deal, which I don't think is going to happen. But when, but when we're looking to say, okay, you have to keep moving on. We have to keep evolving as a roster. You, you made the case that the Red Sox would make, which is this isn't really – you need that bat. Even though he has a 660 OPS, because there isn't a logical solution, I guess. Blake Blake Swihard would be, but he's just too far down right now. 
Yeah, yeah. And the, the one thing that Persinski gives you is the ability to occasionally run into one. Now, you know, he seems to have developed warning track power, and he'll flip his bass on fly balls to the fence and all of that. Uh, you need those balls leaving the park for him to have value. So that's the one thing he's at least a threat to do. And you look up and down this lineup, how many guys right now are a threat to leave the park? No. Ortiz, Napoli, AJ, that's about it. Well, you know, drugs- Johnny Gomes is supposed to be that guy, but he really hasn't Well, he's, 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 he's a left, uh, right-handed hitting specialist, right? He serves a purpose on this team, just like he did last year. But the problem is is that you know they have to lean on him more this year. And, and you're, ta- you're right. The home runs, I think Ortiz has 18. The next is Napoli at 7. And then it drops yeah, way down. That's not the Red Sox, exactly. And that's, and that's, you know, especially when you're not stringing together rallies, you need to at least be able to rely on that, and they don't have it. So how do you salvage things? We, we talked about moving bets in, but I don't think either one of us are saying this is going to be the be-all, end-all, and you're going to go on a run. Because if, if something like that was the case, then it would have worked with Brock Holt. That's exactly yeah. what he did. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is Mookie Betts going to be better than Brock Holt? Probably not. No. But then you say, well, what would two Brock Holtz mean? You know, that would be uh, obviously an upgrade. But when you ask how do you salvage it, I don't know that you do, to be quite honest with you. You know, I think the best thing makes sense to me because it's a way to internally address a problem without hurting your chances in the future at all. I, I think the bigger question is when do you pull the plug? You know, when do you decide to sell? Obviously, you have until July 31st to try to figure this out. You have a lousy division that will keep you hanging around longer than you probably have any right to be. Uh, you could say the same thing about the American League in general. So if you want to just hang around, they can keep going like they're going, and they will always be able to say, hey, we're only four and a half out of that second wild card. But I think the bigger question the Red Sox have to answer is, how long do you let this go on, and at what point do you make it about 2015? I know nobody wants to hear that, but I think that's the question they should be asking themselves. But, but that's the dangerous thing, and, and you cited a stat a while ago, I think on Twitter, about how other than that seven-game win streak, they hadn't won two, more than two games in a row, and now they have that three-game win streak, but you scored five runs in that three-game win streak. And, and really, I've said this to Red Sox people, even in that seven-game win streak, you played two teams that were playing crappy. The, the the Braves and the Rays, they played just awful baseball. So Yeah, and to bring it back yeah. to Jackie Bradley real quick, the Braves clearly didn't advance out anybody because they pitched to Ortiz with as the winning run, which was stupid, and he made him pay to the three-run homer, and they threw Jackie Bradley breaking balls. It was like they had never seen the fact that he couldn't hit a fastball, and they did the same thing to Sizemore. Sizemore and Bradley had decent series against Atlanta. You know, so, like, throw that one out the window entirely. That was a team that wasn't prepared. Yeah, and, and and you get to this point with with that in mind. You have that seven game win streak. Now you have that three game win streak, and other than that, you haven't been able to go on any kind of run. You're absolutely right. You reach a point where you just have to say, "Well, this isn't happening," and, and for whatever reason. And we can talk about bets, and we can talk about Holt and everything else. I, I guess I'll answer the question that we brought up at the beginning. How do you salvage this? I guess the only way you possibly could is if, if you get what I keep calling the foundation guys, if they just go on a tear. But right now, it, it, we're, again, we're at the end of June, and nobody has gone on a tear, really. I mean, the, yep. the Bogarts, the Pedroyas, the, the, the Ortizes, you know, to a certain degree, uh, Victorinos, the Napolis, uh, those are the guys either you're going to make or break with, and right now it's breaking. Exactly, and that's why I say, you know, don't go crazy trying to trying to patch things from the outside. You know, if you can get someone for a guy you consider a non-prospect, by all means, give it a flyer. But 
you don't do anything, you know, to, to try to save, you don't do anything rash to try to save this team. And I think we can agree that's not Ben Sherrington's style anyway. I think you're more likely to call up a guy like Betts and then hope that the guys with track records start living up to them. At this point, we haven't seen anything really to suggest that they will. You know, Pedroia in particular has really given you nothing, and that's obviously a surprise. Uh, Napoli, you can at least point to a broken finger. You know, he was off to an all-star kind of start before that. But yeah, if the if the foundation guys don't do it, then you're not you're not going anywhere this year. Last question is is regards to the starting rotation, which I think we agree probably along the lines of what we talk about Przinsky not being the primary problem. It's a it is a conversation. It's more of a more of a debate, which is with a lot of this team. There's no even there's no debates. It's just either you stink or you don't. But with the Red Sox rotation, with De La Rosa, with Workman. And then Buckholz and Dubrant coming back. I, I think it is kind of interesting. What, in your mind, what should they do? Yeah, to me, you bring Clay Buckholz back and you give him a spot in the rotation because, you know, for for all of the you know uh, what if kind of games, potential kind of games, they're playing with Workman and De La Rosa. We're excited basically about five starts for each of them. You know, Clay Buckholz has a track record of being an All Star, of being a Cy Young candidate. He seems, he hopes he's figured things out. I talked to him today, you know, he's worked on his leg kick. It was causing him to over-rotate, which was, you know, yanking all of his pitches. So he thinks he's fixed that. I guess we'll see it, you know, when he finally gets back to the rotation, whether that's in Seattle or afterwards. But anyway, I put Buckholz back in the rotation because he is your best bet to have a dominating arm, even more so than the two young guys. Then I think you have to really give a lot of consideration to DFA and Capuano. It's a nice story in September, but uh, sorry, in April. But it's sort of like Sizemore. It seems to have run its course a little bit. Uh, so then you can move, say, Dubrant to the rotation, to the bullpen. And then I keep Workman over De La Rosa right now uh, just for reasons of sort of like toughness. There's a way that Workman attacks his own and attacks hitters that I think lends itself to a greater likelihood of success, even though De La Rosa has better pure stuff. Uh, so De La Rosa, I guess, is the odd man out. I'm really rambling here, but there's an answer to your question. No, I go, no, Workman, I, I, Workman I, and Buckholz, I think, are, are a part of your rotation, and you, you figure it out from there. Yeah, no, and, I, and you think about trading Jake Peavy. You know, that would be another one, maybe to a National League team come July. Yeah, well, I agree with everything you said. And uh, well, first off, Peavy has to start pitching better, a little bit better, before, uh, before because they're not, I don't think they want to sell low on Peavy if they are going to trade him. Um, and I agree with everything you said. And, and, and the other thing is that everyone wants to move these guys to the bullpen. I forget if it was Sherrington or Farrell who said this, but you, you just can't move these guys to the bullpen just at the, at the flip, flip of a switch because yep. you actually might need them if someone gets hurt in a week, and then if you draw back on them, then all of a sudden you're screwed. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's not you know taking the long-term uh, into consideration or the short-term, really, because odds are you know you've got – some older guys in the rotation between PV and Lackey. You know, Lackey has obviously pitched tremendously, but you have some guy, Buckholz, you don't know what you're going to get out of him. You you have the very real potential of an opening in the rotation at some point in the next month, you know, regardless of what happens when all these guys come back. So I think it would be short-sighted to take uh, De La Rosa or Workman and just throw them in the bullpen. All right. Did you do karaoke at all in Oakland? Uh, no, we didn't. I don't think. Where, where did you do karaoke here? I do stay in Oakland. Uh, I'm a little more old school. You are old school. This goes for the fancy pants. 
Well, it's weird that you wear. Oakland's where it's at. That's where you wear spikes on your shoulder pads in the press box. It's kind of. It's kind of <laughs> that's strange. right. I went to a bar that played only heavy metal. It was like my. <laughs> I can't even call it like my my tenth grade iPod because in tenth grade I was listening to eight tracks, but it was my tenth grade Metallica eight tracks. It's it's, gr- it's great that you packed the jean jacket of all the trips. Talking yeah, about no, it was perfect. Yeah, it's got a Slayer patch on the back. It's awesome. <laughs> all right, thanks for joining us. You'll get a T-shirt out of it. Oh, it sounds great. I want, I want a T-shirt hand-stitched by Gould. <laughs> All, right. All right, we'll see you later. Take care. New on Curiosity Stream. From time to time, we have collisions between asteroids and the Earth. We track them. We study them. We hope the big one never comes. Don't look up. It's Asteroid Rush. And alligators. They rarely get sick. They even outlasted the dinosaurs. Could they hold the secret to human longevity? Their blood could have antibacterial applications. Wade into the investigation on immortal alligators. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nano spray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. 